Welcome Real Life Moms community. This is our last episode of season two. So we decided to ask our listeners on our social media platforms, that's our Facebook group and our Instagram, and ask them if they had any questions for our season two guests. So we had some amazing questions come in for some of our guests. So we invited back for this Q&A, Don Friedman, Jenny Gunther, Lisa Sugarman, Abby Edwards-Hill, Nicole Dillon, and Millie and Julie to help answer some of these questions for us. So let's start with Don Friedman from season two, episode 10, Children and Anxiety. And here's our first question. Hi, Real Life Moms listeners. I so appreciate Lisa sharing a question with me from her audience and, and getting the opportunity to answer it. And the question is, can you share any insight on how anxiety can present as a behavior issue and how can you tell the difference? It is a really, really great question. So first of all, how can anxiety present as a behavior issue? Well, let's remember that anxiety is all about avoidance. It's about avoiding the thing that makes you nervous or scares you. And how we avoid things is with fight, flight, or freeze, right? So what does that look like in a young person? Well, fight can look like meltdowns. It can look like actual fighting. It can look like trashing a room, hurting ourselves, hurting other people. That's what fight can look like. Flight can look like actually running away from the thing, uh, refusing to talk about it or acknowledge it, which is what freeze can look like too. It can look like stubbornness. So you're ready to get out the door and your child is simply absolutely 100% refusing to get out the door with you. That could be a sign that they're anxious about whatever is coming next. Now, obviously kids can trash rooms, fight with their siblings, be really stubborn without anxiety. So how do we know when it's anxiety? Well, then we look at what's happening outside of that behavior. And I'm going to just ask a couple of questions that you can ask yourself, what is going on with your child? Could it be anxiety? One of the things that you can look for is somatic symptoms. Lots and lots of kids have somatic symptoms of anxiety. And usually that stomach aches, or headaches. So if you have a child who complains about their stomach hurting a lot and you've taken them to the doctor and they have checked out as being completely healthy, that is very often a sign of anxiety. And it's it's actually where a lot of families I work with first come to the realization that's maybe it's anxiety. As the doctor says, I think these stomach aches have something to do with anxiety. Uh, the other thing is if your child asks for reassurance a lot, that's incredibly common. These are kids who will say, where are we going after school again? Where are we going after school? They ask over and over again, or they ask for reassurance that it will be okay. Do you think my teacher will like my homework? Do you think my teacher will like my homework? Uh, if they keep coming to you and asking again, questions you've already covered, that is often a sign of anxiety. And what happens is they start feeling anxious about the thing and they come to you for reassurance. That makes them feel better for a short time, but then the anxiety comes back up and they're coming back to you. So ask Asking for reassurance repeatedly, that is, uh, that is a good sign that your child is feeling anxious. If your child follows you around a lot, if you 
say, go upstairs to put away laundry and they go upstairs too. They can't be on a different floor than you or they're following you from room to room. That can be a sign of anxiety that they're struggling to be alone or if they don't like you to leave the house without them or demand to know when you're going to be back. Uh, older kids will often text their parents, where are you? When are you coming home? I need you to come home. That is a sign of anxiety. And then frankly, if they worry a lot. So if you have a child who worries a lot, is it going to rain? Am I going to get the friends I want in my classroom? That's a kid with anxiety. So part of it is just acknowledging those behavior problems could be anxiety. And then you can look at your child's rest of your, your child's behavior and see, is this the behavior of an anxious child? If you're noticing your child is anxious, then consider how might this behavior, this troublesome behavior, help them avoid the thing that is making them anxious. If it is helping them to avoid the thing that is making them anxious, that's a great sign that you have an anxious child. Anyway, great question. If you have any other questions for me, you can reach out to Lisa. I'm happy to answer them. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you so much, Don, for answering this question from our listener and just your insight on when anxiety can look like behavior and just how to know the difference. We so appreciate all that you do. So next we have Lisa Sugarman from our season two, episode 13, coming out discussing gender and sexual identity. And here is her question. Hey, Real Life Moms podcast. I'm Lisa Sugarman. I was on your podcast earlier this summer. I'm a parenting author, a columnist, and a radio show host here in Boston. And I guess one of your listeners had a question for me that I wanted to answer today. So I'm going to read the question and then I'm going to give you my answer. The question was, I always worry about the youth who don't have a supportive parenting environment within which to thrive and who lack the resources to access help and support when faced with adversity and trauma after coming out. What do I think is our biggest challenge as a society in supporting young people in this regard? Well, I can say that as the mom of a daughter who is bisexual and as a member of the LGBTQ community myself, I came out as pansexual about a year ago. I do have a little bit of experience with coming out in, in my case and in the case of my family. Um, my husband and I and my youngest daughter fully and completely and totally supported um, our oldest daughter when she came out and my family did exactly the same when it was my time to come out. So I'm very grateful and fortunate for that. But a lot of people don't have that that luxury of having that kind of support. Um, there are teens out there who are terrified to come out. Um, and that's a huge challenge that teens are facing. Um, it's a very traumatic event. It can be a very traumatic event, especially if you go into it thinking that you don't have support. So, and I know a lot of teens and young people coming out don't have support and that's just a sad, sad reality. Um, so what, what do I think is our biggest challenge as a society in supporting these kids who don't already have support at home? I think it's, I think it's continuing to build a framework of support outside the home. I think that we continue to develop organizations um, like um, like GLAAD, um, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance, like the Trevor Project um, that help um, at-risk LGBTQ youth um, in, a, in a crisis counseling capacity. Um, I, I think that we need to, to make all of these 
types of platforms and um, communities available to our kids at school within our communities. Um, I think I think we as neighbors and community members need to communicate with the youth around us that we know well enough to have relationships with that we're there as a support, even if their families may not be. So I, I think that there are lots of different things that we can all do. And I think it just, um, I think it all boils down to um, accessibility, availability, putting ourselves out there for, um, you know, for the sake of these children who need support, who don't have it elsewhere. Um, and really beefing up those resources so that they're they're accessible when our youth need them most. Thank you, Lisa, for just doing so much for our youth in our communities. You always open my eyes up to all the resources that are out there, and I'm always so inspired by how much you are doing for parents and kids. Thank you. And our next question was for Abby Edwards-Hill from Season 2, Episode 15, Rad kids, resilient, adventurous, and determined. Let's see what the listeners were asking from her. Hi, Lisa. This is Abby, and I just wanted to follow up with our rad interview and podcast session the other day. And it sounds like we had some great questions come up from people. So I'll be happy to share any wisdom and insight that I have just from my own personal experience. So the question um, that came up was, how do you balance owning your own business and your family? I've been afraid to pursue my own business because of the time it would take away from my family. Gosh, that's such a fair question. And that's it, right? That's the real struggle. So I would say whether you have a business or not, you're struggling, not struggling, but you're always constantly working to balance things anyway. So that kind of is part of the deal. <laughs> um, but I did write down some quick things that I think will really help you make that decision and sort of find as much balance as you can. I don't think there is one, one size fits all. But number one, be intentional about what you want and share that with your family. You have dreams and goals and it's okay to express those to your family because the truth is, if they have dreams and goals, you would just be as supportive as they are. So you need to have the um, conversations, the expectations that you're all on board. And it really takes a, it takes a team. So everybody has to be on board. Um, but don't be afraid to express that. Um, number two, make sure that you're picking like some business or some part of your business that your family can be a part of. For me, I wanted my children to be able to be involved. Um, that was just part of what I was able to uh, accomplish. But I think in any business, there is an ability for your family to have an involvement that gives them a sense of purpose and, um, and meaning behind what you're doing and a sense of pride. Uh, number three, make sure you're communicating along the way. Like it can, ha some days are really overwhelming and some days are not. Make sure you're communicating what you're feeling and going through as you go through the process so that your family isn't left guessing, you know, what you're going through. Um, number four, you know, uh, it's okay not to get it all done. There's this great quote, um, 
that you can never get it done and it will never be right. I mean, that's the truth. We're always a growth in process. So don't be so hard on yourself. I usually make myself a list every day of two or three things that I know have to be my priority for my business um, that will help my business move along. And everything beyond that, sometimes you just have to let go. Um, Number five, well, of course, family first, right? So if there's something really important that's going on in your family, um, put that first, right? It has to be a big thing. But to be honest, when it comes to little things like color day at school, I let a lot of that stuff go because number one, no one's going to remember that. No one's going to care and no one's going to judge you for that. If you don't remember what color shirt to send your kid to school in that day, those are very, very temporary things that when people look back on their life, they're never going to remember, but they will remember how you made them feel and what, um, you know, uh, inspiration and impact you had on your family, um, with your business and your goals and dreams. And then lastly, um, just be really committed to your own growth, right? So like as you grow, I think your family will grow with you and will see that you are willing to change and grow and nurture and they will want to do that for themselves as well. So really you're giving them a gift by going after your dreams and goals. You're showing them that it can be done and it's possible. So I say go for it. All right. Thanks. Have a great one. Feel free to reach out too. If you ever need any extra support or help, I'm always here. Thank you, Abby, for answering this question. And it's so true. We are always trying to balance things as parents. So whether you have a business or not. So why not start something if you're passionate about it? And next, let's welcome Jenny Gunther, who tackled a really important topic in episode 11, Enough is Enough, talking about gun violence. And let's hear what her question was. Hi, Lisa. Uh, thank you for these great questions. Uh, my questions uh, were, how do you talk to your kids about gun violence and how do you help them feel safe as they return to school? Uh, my kids are 13 and 10, so I have a, a teenager and a tween. Um, and they both know that I'm part of Moms Demand Action. Um, they have since um, I joined several years ago. So we have talked about uh, why I am part of Moms um, and really what the purpose of the organization is and talked about how we're really working to reduce gun violence and promote gun safety. So I've talked to them about how I believe guns um, really need to be safely stored so that kids can't have access to them. And I've also talked to them about some of the, law, some of the laws that we have um, passed recently that are going to help um, keep our communities and keep our kids safer. Um, as far as specifically talking about gun violence, I um, like including mass shootings and school shootings. Um, I've read or listened to some podcasts from people who are um, – you know, experts in um, this area of, of child psychology or child therapists that um, have said that we should really um, answer questions that kids come to us with, but not specifically um, give them more information than um, they may be ready for or that may not be age appropriate for them. So, um, you know, my 13-year-old is um, probably more likely to read about or hear about events 
um, on the news or maybe through social media or from her friends at school. Um, whereas my 10 year old who doesn't have a phone, doesn't have any social media might be less likely to maybe know about some of the events that happen. Um, so I try to, um, let them lead with questions. If something big has happened, um, I'll let them come to me with their specific questions. And I really try to answer with as much facts as I can, um, and really not maybe provide them with anything more um, that they may be ready to hear. Um, and as far as helping them feel safe at school, I mean, that's a hard question. I um, I think all of, all of us parents wanna be able to say, nothing will ever happen to you. You will always be safe. Um, and I'm sure it's hard for us to not say that, but I, you know, I don't think, sadly, any of us can say that with, with full truth behind it. But what I can say is that I am doing everything I possibly can to make sure that you stay safe. And that's why, you know, I'm part of um, the mom's group. That's why I leave sometimes at night to run these meetings. That's why I go down to the Capitol to testify. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to help uh, keep them safer. Jenny, I cannot thank you enough for all that you do to keep our kids safe. And thank you so much for your insight on this topic. We so appreciate everything you're doing. Next up, we have Julie, who will be answering for herself and Millie. And they were from episode two, how the pandemic affected our kids' education. And here's their question. So our listener wrote in, you mentioned that many students had lost a parent or a family member from COVID. How are the schools supporting kids throughout the transition of grief and loss? Great question, by the way. And let's listen to what she has to say. Hey, Lisa, it's Julie here. Thanks for having me back on. In answer to the question, Millie had sent me a response and she said that they do have a counselor with their charter school and have a district counselor who goes around to all the schools in the area. But she specifically has seen students that are going to their private family therapist. So that seems to be more of the trend rather than the counselors by the district and by the charter schools. Uh, personally, for me, at the Catholic school that I work at, we, we had a couple of students that lost family members or, um, you know, even if it's just something like uh, there was a student that her father got into a bad car accident and he didn't die. Um, but with our school, they'll ask for donations or uh, all of the teachers kind of got together and contributed to buy gift cards for gas and for groceries for the parent, the other parents and um, for the families to make sure that the children were still going to be supplied for and cared for. Yeah, it, it's nice to have that kind of school community where all of the parents and families and the teachers come around and help out for the children. Thank you, Julia and Millie, not just for answering the question. We appreciate that, but for all you do as a teacher, just supporting our kids both physically and emotionally. This is such a challenging time to be a teacher and and for our kids, so we appreciate everything that you're doing for them. And our last question goes to Nicole Dillon from episode 12, Starting Anew and Taking a Chance. And Nicole has been really busy, but she was able to write back her response. So here is her question. A listener wrote in, I struggle with my kids not wanting to make a change and feel that they don't want to start over. 
I feel like this holds us back from taking a chance on something better for our family and for us. Do you have any advice on how to talk to our kids who feel like they are giving up everything for a possible better life? Totally tough. Let's see what Nicole wrote back. So Nicole was busy, but she did write in and here's what her response was. She wrote, I think that change is scary for everyone, but especially children. Consistency makes kids feel secure. So an interruption would be very intimidating. I'm not sure how old your children are, but my kids were eight and 10 when we started the journey. So they can understand fairly well that this was a new opportunity for an adventure. With technology, they have managed to stay in touch with their friends and we go back to visit. You can counteract every negative with a what if in a positive light. Like if they say, what if I don't make the soccer team? And you say, well, what if you're the captain of the soccer team? We were very honest with our kids. We told them that it might not be amazing, but we will never know unless we give it a shot and try our best to make it great. It's working out for us and we are happy we made the leap. It's been a learning experience, a bit of a cultural growth, a test of strength and endurance. There are ups and downs, but overall it's been super. We are very fortunate in addition to a great community. My parents have a vacation home here, so they are close by and more often than not, that they can help with the kids feel comfortable and adjust. I'll always vote for new adventures and the possibility of a better situation. I hope that your kids learn to be open to growth and change and that you have a wonderful experience. Thank you, Nicole, for taking the time and answering the question. I know that's something I think about all the time. Sometimes I want to do something and then my kids are like, no, you know, so just getting another perspective is always nice to hear. I just want to take a moment at this end of the season to thank everyone that has been a listener and for all our amazing guests, especially the ones that have answered your questions today. Um, I know I personally have grown from each and every one of these conversations, and I hope that you are also growing and learning and feeling connected to other moms through this podcast. If we can help just one mom not feel alone or get that advice that they need or the resource that would just change everything for them, then I feel that this podcast has won. That is our goal. So I really appreciate everybody who comes on and either is a guest or a listener that helps support each and every mom out there. So season three will start September 13th. And we have more amazing moms and more amazing stories to tell. So come join us on September 13th. And if you either want to be a guest and you have something you really want to share, or you have somebody you want to nominate to be a guest, come join us. Let me know. You can email me at reallifemomspodcast at gmail.com. I would be so excited to hear from you. So looking forward to all our new guests next season. And don't forget to follow Real Life Moms, helping one mom at a time.